So, we, uh, last week, we, um, it was Easter, and I was talking about the resurrection and what it meant to live in Christ, uh, who has been resurrected, that uh, the resurrected changed everything, that he defeated death, that he's alive, like we were just singing, and the invitation for us is to come into a resurrected life with Christ and to live in that resurrection, and we talked about what it meant to live a resurrected life. And it means life to the full. It means God inviting us into big life, full life, amazing life. And uh, there's a verse that kind of captures that. It's Romans 6, uh, 3 and 4, and it says this. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by by baptism into death in order that Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And so, what does that mean, to walk in the newness of life? And we're starting a new series, and we're going to explore what that means. And we're going to use the book of Acts, because the book of Acts follows the Gospels. The book of Acts is after Christ has ascended, and the disciples have been given the Great Commission. And they're going to go out, and they're going to build the kingdom of God. They're going to go out, and we're going to talk about, and they're going to walk in the newness of life. And so we're going to look at their lives. We're going to look at the book of Acts, and we're going to kind of run through or walk through and just say, hey, what does it look like to live life to the full? What does it look like to live as a new creation? Because, I mean, great, the resurrection's awesome, Antley. Yeah, Christ is alive. I've been resurrected with him. But what does that mean for me? It's kind of like, so what? right? Well, we're going to answer the so what question as we go through the book of Acts in this resurrection series that we're not sure we're going to call it. I could call it resurrection power, but that's kind of a lame name. And so Kevin will come up with a cool name this week and you'll see it next week and it'll be week two of the series. Um, But I think a lot of us, because we live in the Western culture and we talk about what does it look like you know, to live in the newness of life. And we're like, oh man, I know what it looks like. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to serve coffee. I'm going to work in the childcare. I'm going to go on mission trips. I'm going to do all these things to build the kingdom of God, right? I mean, that's what we think because I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so I got to do new things. I'm a new person. I got to do new things. I got to stop doing that. 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 And I got to start doing this, I got to start doing this, and I got to start doing this to bring people into the kingdom of God. Now, is that a bad thing? No, that's a good thing. That's our third value as we are talking about bringing people, awaking people to the transforming power of God's love. You know, that's our mission statement. And And the third value says this, participating in the kingdom mission of Jesus. His love compels us to love all people, to bring hope and healing in his name, to seek justice and mercy, and to reflect his heart for the poor and the brokenhearted. We are committed to making the good news of the kingdom tangible, understandable, and accessible. Okay, so that's that's important. It's an important thing to go and build the kingdom of God, to go and share the gospel, to go into missions, to, to, to give mercy to those that are broken, to, to go after and care for the poor. I talked about the people on the, the edge of society last week, the Anavim, and how Christ went to them. And so it's a great thing that we go to people. It's a great thing that we go to people. 
But before we can walk, before we can do, we need to learn to wait. We need to learn to wait. We must learn the importance of waiting on the Lord so we don't get ahead of the Lord. And so there's power in the ministry that God has called us to. You know, when I'm going to talk about waiting today in two different frames, okay? One is going to be um, waiting, you know, for the Lord to do something, okay? Waiting for the Lord to do something and moving out and doing it and building the kingdom of God. The second kind of waiting I'm going to talk about is waiting with God, okay? So we wait with God, and it's more of an intimate waiting. And what does that look like? Because that second one, waiting with God, allows us to hear God and move out in confidence. So I'm going to kind of unpack those two things today. And there's a few things. There's one thing in particular the enemy loves to do uh, when we're waiting. And it's he loves to discourage us. See, you've been waiting and you've been waiting and God hasn't shown up. You're, you know, he's not going to show up. He's not faithful. You know, if, if, if you wait forever, he's going to wait forever. He has hidden his face from you. You know, he's, he's mad with you. All of these things, right? And, and I would say this, and that leads to discouragement. And the enemy loves when we're discouraged because when we're discouraged, we don't continue to press into him. We don't continue to want to wait. And so I would say this, if you're discouraged and you're waiting in either one of these categories, I, one of the things I think God wants to minister to you today and to all of us today is allow that discouragement to create, instead, you're waiting to create expectation, because that's the other thing that waiting does, doesn't it? If you wait and you persevere and you have faith and, and your faith builds and your hope builds, it, expectation, God's going to do it. 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 I remember one time I was sail fishing with my dad and I hooked a sailfish and it got off. It got off. And I was ticked off. And I remember thinking like, that's so wrong. And my dad said this, it totally changed the vibe of the whole thing. He said, that will, don't worry. That will make you look forward to and more excited for when you catch a sailfish finally. And I went fishing with someone. They took me fishing in Costa Rica. And I caught 38 sailfish for the love of St. Christopher, right? 38 sailfish. And that was with my bare hands, jumping in, stabbing them, (laughs) grabbing them, swimming them back to the boat. I mean, yeah, was I excited? Absolutely. Because I crush dominated them, you know. And, And this is also true. James says this. Because when we get anxious and we worry and we get discouraged, the other thing we do is we move too quickly. Or we hear something like, God's, you know, and, and, and God's not ready. And James talks about waiting for the fullness of God. We need to wait for the fullness of God to come. And when we do, then there's power. Because in the fullness, the longer we wait, the greater the expectation. The greater, and I'm going to unpack some of this and how it transfers into ministry and into hope. You know, we sang this song today. It was so great. You know, every once in a while, I wonder, like, am I just preaching off to left field? And then we sang several songs that talked about waiting today. And, and one of them says, slow down, take time, breathe in, he said. He'd reveal what's to come. The thoughts in his mind, always higher than mine. He'll reveal all to come. And then the chorus says, take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's in the, he's never failing. He's never failing. I mean, that is a truth. That is a reality that if we choose to live in the waiting, as as we choose to expect in the waiting, as we believe that God is faithful, that he is going to come through, we become very dangerous. 
We become very dangerous because the enemy then can't rob us of what God's plans are for us. Because, it, well, we'll wait and we'll wait and we'll wait. Our expectation grows and grows and grows and grows. And we're like, you know, horses at the horse track or dogs at the dog track. He opens the gate and we're like, Phew! after the furry bunny, right? After the prize. And the prize is that first waiting, building the kingdom of God, living in the kingdom of God. Okay, and so, I mean, that's, that's amazing. I'm going to read a few stories now. I'm going to talk about the first kind of waiting for the Lord. What does it mean to wait for the Lord when we're building the kingdom of God so that he's glorified? There's a great story. I'm not going to read all of it. And uh, it's basically the story of David when he is fighting the Philistines, right? And in this, we see a pattern start to emerge. And the pattern is basically, you know, the Lord speaks, and then David obeys, and then power comes. Okay, and, and now this is a pattern that we see in the Old Testament, and we see the same pattern in the New Testament at the beginning of Acts, is there's an obeying, there, there, there's a hearing, an obeying, and then power comes as they wait. As they wait and they obey what, what Christ has said, or what the Lord told David, there's power, and power goes out, and crush dominates, and his kingdom is built. And so in this story, David is fighting the Philistines, and... He says, shall I go up to the Philistines? Okay, now David asks, there's like a fourth one. This is like one point, like negative one, okay? Because this is, he asked the Lord, and I don't want to include that in the rest of them. So he asked the Lord, and he says, will you give him into my hand? And the Lord said to David, so he, he hears, go up, and I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand, okay? And David came to Baal-Pereshenton, and uh, he comes there, so he obeys, and he waits, and... Then all of a sudden, like a breaking flood, he just destroys them. Power goes out from God, and he destroys them. Now, this is a little more famous. So right after that, again, he goes and he inquires of the Lord. And he said, um, you know, God, what am I going to do? You know, I'm going to fight these Philistines. They're big. What am I supposed to do? And the Lord says, the Lord says, you shall not go up. Go around to their rear. So he's hearing him. And come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself. So the Lord's telling him this. He's hearing the Lord speak to him. And he's saying, go do this. Okay. And then when I move and you're waiting, obey me, obey me. And if the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of Philistines, and David did as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba to Gezer. Okay, so there's hearing, there's obeying, and there's God's power coming down. And when God's power comes down, there's always victory. When God's power comes down, he always wins. When we're moving in the power of God, when we wait, when we hear him, we listen, and then he, we obey what he says, we remember his words, we obey him, and we're waiting, and then we see the power come. When the power fills us, he comes, he opens the door, we move, and boom, his kingdom is built, and there's victory, and we get to share in that victory. We get to participate in that victory like David did, but we see the same pattern in Acts, okay? So this is the New Testament. This is, like I said, the season that we're in as we follow Jesus Christ in the newness of life, okay? And we, we see this in Acts 1, verses 4 to 8, and while staying with them, he ordered them, not, this is Jesus, not to depart from Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and he said, but to wait, 
Wait, disciples. Don't be going out ahead of me. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. Remember last week I said that he talked to them and they forgot his words and it led into a mess for them. And so Jesus was reminding them, you heard from me. Wait, 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 for you heard from me. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. From now. Okay, so that's the promise. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the end of the the earth. And so this whole passage is about them hearing God, about God remembering. He's, he, he's saying, this is what's going to happen. This is going to happen. You need to wait on my spirit. And when you wait on my spirit, he's going to be poured out on you. And when he's poured out on you, you're going to go out. You're going to go out in power and things are going to happen. Powerful things are going to happen if you obey me, if you follow, if you listen to me, if you obey me, and if you wait on my power to go out, then you will go out with me and we will have victory. My kingdom will be built. Okay, and then the next little section, 2, 1 to 4, he says this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, okay, so they were waiting. They're all together and they're waiting. So now they're obeying. They're doing what Jesus said to them. Together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled their entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on them, on each one of them. And says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Okay, so as they obeyed, power came. Power came to them as they obeyed. So he spoke, they obeyed, power comes. And then in the last little section, I'm not gonna read it all to you, but 37 to 41 says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, okay? And there's like preaching going on. Peter's like preaching, prophesying, like repent, be baptized. He's doing, doing all this. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, 3,000 souls were added to their number. That's power, right? That is power going out. I mean, a lot of these people had never heard the gospel. A lot of these people had never experienced or seen or known who Jesus was. They were Jews and they had gathered and they're speaking in tongues. Craziness is broken out. They're they're explaining it, telling them what's going on. And they've been filled with the spirit and they've waited on God and boom, God adds to their number. They don't add to their number. It wasn't Peter's preaching that added to their number. God added to their number as they obeyed and as they waited. That, I mean, that's a simple formula, folks. As we want to move in the power of the Spirit, as we want to build the kingdom of God, we have to hear, we ha- he has to speak to us. He has to tell us what he wants to do. And he might tell us through the word. He might tell us through a prophetic word. He might tell us in the Bible. He might tell us through a dream. He might tell us through other brothers and sisters and we weigh it up. He might tell us, you know, when we're worshiping, he might say something to us. There's lots of ways, but we have to hear God. We have to hear God before we go. And then we have to obey God. 
Okay, when we obey God, we just step in as he opens the door, right? We, have, we step in as he opens the door, and when we do that, power comes. Power comes. You see, this is reality. This is the reality, especially in the Western world, is that we can do ministry that looks like it's empowered by the Spirit, but it's not. We can do good things that are not God things. Hashtag tweet, right? We can do, we can do good things, we can do things that look like there's power. We can do things that we're commanded to do in the Bible, but they are not God things. They look like God things, but we're doing them in our own power. We're doing them for the wrong reasons. Our motivation is wrong, or whatever reason. Or maybe just God wants us to be connected to him and intimate with him more than he wants us to do for him. Right? There's a lot of reasons. Good things, I mean God things, require God's power. God things build the kingdom of God, not our kingdom. God things bring us the best life possible. They bring us into big life, resurrected life. They all result, God things, always and all result to God being glorified and not man. So when you see men being lifted up or women being lifted up or or missionaries being lifted up, glorified and bowed down to and they're amazing and let's be careful and not judge other brothers and sisters. But you see that and that's like a warning flag. That's a dangerous place to be because when we start glorifying people and the works of man, it takes glory away from God. This is our purpose in life. If you've ever asked, like, what's my purpose in life? It's to glorify God. It's to draw attention to God by how you live. And everything that you do, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. All for the glory of God. All for the glory of God. And here's the beauty of that. As we seek to glorify God, and what what glorify means is draw attention to him. Show the world how beautiful he is, how majestic he is, how powerful he is, how good he is, how loving he is. That glorifies God. It draws the world to him, and they want to know him. They want to love him. They want to come into his kingdom so that he can rule over them and empower them and be a good father to them and heal them. That's what it means to glorify God. Now, a lot of people have been told, and myself included, I mean, that sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? That sounds like a lot of work. But it's not. If we listen, we hear, and we obey, and there's power. There's power in it. And what happens is, this is the beauty of it, is that as we seek to glorify God, and all that we do, we are satisfied in life in a way that we never could be as we're glorifying and lifting up ourselves. John Piper says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When our life is poured out for him, when we are living in him, and we, have given, and we are sacrificing for him, we are moving in the power of the spirit for him, and people are being drawn to him, we are full of amazing everything. We are full of big life. We are experiencing life as we are created to experience by Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And in that, as we are loving life, serving God, enjoying him, enjoying God, he is most glorified. He is most glorified. And so it's like a win-win. If you're like bored in life, 
If you're like tired in life, if you're exhausted, angry, or ticked off, or, or feel unfulfilled, this is the path. The path to changing that is having a life that glorifies God, living in a way that you seek to glorify God, that we seek to glorify God, okay? And so, and that comes by how? What do we do if we want to glorify God? What do we do? We listen, right? We then wait and obey. When he opens the door, we walk through it. Power comes. Boom, God is glorified. I'm feeling the fishnizzle of being empowered, filled with power. I mean, is there anything better than being filled with power of God, from power on, on high, from being released into the kingdom to heal, to cast out demons, to preach the word, and to bring... There's nothing more exciting than that. The only thing more exciting then coming to Christ yourself is bringing someone else into the kingdom of God. It, it, will, it is amazing. It will set you on fire. It's amazing. And this is how we do it. You know, when River City Church started, this is how it started. This is exactly how it started. People went over and they experienced the power of the Spirit, right? And they came back and, and, and along the way, they heard God, this little core group heard God speak to them. We think that you're supposed to start a church like this in Jacksonville. And so for two years, they waited and they prayed. They prayed and they waited. They prayed and they waited. Now, they didn't not do anything else. They interviewed other pastors and they did a lot of other things. They brought people over to England. But in that season, there was a waiting that was going on. There was God building trust. I'm in this. I'm going to come through with this. You listened. You're obeying. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then they found me and... God came in power in me. I am the all-powerful. Don't smite me. No, but, uh, but God moved in power. I didn't know what I was doing. Every day for me at River Sea Church is a new day. I don't know what I'm doing. That's what I say every day when I wake up. I don't know what I'm doing today. And God, I'm going to listen to you. You're going to have to speak to me. And I'll obey and I'll show up in power. But, I mean, at the, at the, at the um, genesis of our church, that's a great word, the genesis of our church, Doors just started flying open, places to go, money coming in, people blessing us. I mean, powerful stuff going on because there was a waiting that they obeyed. And when God brought the right person, and I'm thankful it was me, you know, power came, not through me, but in the church. And people's lives are transformed. And this church is proof that this is how God moves. And this is how God desires to move in our life. Holy gosh, man. Okay, so the second time of waiting precedes this kind of waiting for God. And this is really what I wanted to talk about. Because in the last few weeks, I've talked to so many people that feel like they're in this waiting period personally. And they feel, um, they feel kind of less than. Like, what have I done that God hasn't showed up? Have I disobeyed his will? Um, I feel like in this season, I feel like people don't understand. They think that I've done something. I feel judged. I feel like God's abandoned me. You know, I, I'm just sitting around waiting for answers, and I just, I just don't know. What is, is God going to do? You know, is he mad at me? Does he love me? Does he even care about my issues, my problems? And this is what I think God's teaching us whenever we're in this season, and we all either have been in the season, we're in that season now, or we're going to be in that season. He's, he's, he's saying this, is do you, do you trust me? Or is my voice enough? Are you willing 
to wait for my voice? Are you willing to, to, to listen only to me? My voice has to be enough. Will you wait for me to speak? Or are you going to trust what you see in the world? Are you going to trust what you think you should do? Because if we do, if we don't wait, if we don't listen, and we're not led by him, there won't be power. And we will end up being exhausted, worn out. So in this waiting, it's still the same. We hear, we obey, and power comes, okay? You listen, and you either hear nothing, which is never, never fun, or you hear wait, okay? So God speaks to you either by saying wait or not speaking to you. And how do you obey in that? You wait. You obey and you just wait and you press in for as long as it takes. And when you do, power will come. Power will come and you will experience him in a new way. You will experience his love. You will experience his life. You will experience amazingness as you learn to listen and to hear God. Okay, and so when power comes, the difference in this kind of power is it's inward, not outward. Okay, so it says the kingdom of God is within you. So this is God, the Holy Spirit, in you, building his kingdom in you. Okay, strengthening you, teaching you. This is how, this is why, learn to listen to me. Draw close to me. Learn how much I love you. Learn that you can trust me. Learn that I'm faithful. I'll always be with you, that I'll never leave you. Learn that I'm a good father. And all these things we learn when we're drawing close to him intimately and we're waiting with him, not for him, we're waiting with him, trusting that he's with us because that's what the word says. And we've maybe heard that or we've seen that with our friends. And so we're waiting with God. And this is what's so important about waiting with God prior to going, waiting for God is that when we wait with God and that trust comes and that love comes and that experience comes, Whenever he opens the door to go and build the kingdom, to, to, we're waiting for him after that. He opens the door and we go to build his kingdom. We go with confidence, right? We go with confidence because we've heard him. We know what his voice is like. We know what the power of God feels like and the experience of God. We know what we're bringing to people. And that is so important because in ministry, when you're building the kingdom of God and you're going out and you're risking and you're praying for people and nothing happens or, or, or you get attacked, you're, you're, you come to the point where you're like, did I hear this correctly? Is God really good? Can he really be trusted? And that's why that first experience of God, that first knowing and waiting of God is so important because you will stay in it. You'll remember his words. Remember my words. I called you. I opened the door. You obeyed. Power came. You might not feel it right now, but you've trusted me. I am in this with you. I'm in this with you because I love you. I'm a good father. I won't call you to anything you can't handle, and I'll always give you a way out. And all of, all of a sudden, the, the, the scriptures that speak of his faithfulness come alive in us because he, we know he's with us because we've experienced him in our hearts. We've experienced him in our life and in our intimacy. We hear, we obey, and power comes on the inside of us. So how do I do this? How do I do this? There's, and this isn't a formula. These are just some ideas. And, and people experience... And, and, and come into God's presence, and he speaks to people in different ways. You know, if you're an intuitive feeler, and you like the outdoors, man, you might experience God walking on the beach. 
that might be the place that he speaks to you. Or if you're a creative, it might be when you're painting. It might be when you're playing guitar. It might be when you're whatever, right? And so, and, and if you're a thinker, it might be when you're reading a book, you know? And God just draws something out of the book, and it really speaks to you. And you're like, yeah, this is God speaking to me. Okay, so, but corporately, what can we do or what can be done to where we and our waiting can seek to and put ourselves in a position to experience God's power. Well, corporately, we have soaking, we have refresh, we have prayer ministry, we have worship. I want to explain soaking, because that's just kind of a weird term, right? Because, like, if you're new, like, you explain soaking, you're like, soaking? What? No, what? That's, what is, I never heard of that before. Yeah, because we made it up. I mean, that's like an RCC word. We invented that word, all right? That's how powerful we are and what God's doing. He spoke to us, called soaking. So we did. But soaking is just this. It's just stopping everything, turning on some worship music, and, and just being in his presence, just soaking in his presence, just listening to him. And I did this when I was in London, kind of being trained in how to do everything or, or try to do everything. I would take my kids to school. I'd come home in my apartment. I'd turn on worship music. The headphones, and I would lay for two hours just listening. Sometimes, you know, I fall asleep or whatever, but I began to learn to hear God. I began to learn to experience him other than the ways I had been taught him. The, the way you experience God is always in the Bible. It's only in the Bible, right? And so, so that's what soaking is. Refresh is where we have extended worship, where you can do whatever you feel like God's leading you to. That's a great environment to experience God. You know, prayer ministry, every week, every week we invite you down for prayer, and God gives us words and pictures and the Spirit moves. And that brings life. We've seen tons of people experience God and his power down front. And then in worship, every Sunday, God's moving. God's speaking. He's encouraging us. And then on a, a, a practical level, personally, we practice the spiritual disciplines, the disciplines of the Spirit, the disciplines of the Christian life, fasting, prayer, time in, the, in, in God's Word, meditating, memorizing, seeking to hear him in his word, listening to him, and waiting as we engage, as we move towards God individually. We're listening. When he moves, we're obeying to do what he says, and then we're waiting for power for him to move us. Okay, so in conclusion, living resurrected lives, before we go out, begins with waiting for God to move in the power of the kingdom, waiting for God to speak to us, to accomplish his purpose through us so that he is glorified. And the second, which is like the fuel for the first, is it comes in the waiting with God. So waiting for God to open the door and then to move as we obey, to build his kingdom. And the second one is, is God comes in the waiting with God. And this coming is intimate. It teaches us to trust him, to know him, to understand and know his love, Know that he is a good father, like I said, that forces us to remember the good things he has done in our life. And even though we don't see, even though we don't feel like God is with us, we wait and we wait and we wait until there's a knowing that he is. And there's a power that comes and builds confidence in us. And how does this happen? It happens by being still. We learn to leave the world, our problems, our anxieties, the midst of that, and to come into God's presence. We let him quiet us. We learn to pray and meditate on him and his word. We learn to listen and hear his voice. Listen, obey as we wait. We obey, 
and then power comes and we move. That is how ministry begins. That is how the apostles, that is how the world was changed. That is the legacy of how you sit here today in the church as God's children. Is that the apostles and the women that were in that upper room as well waited, power came, and they changed the world. Let's stand.